Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be your host for the podcast. And today we're talking with Carlo Ficini, an associate at Mundal Law. How are you doing today, Carlo? Good, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about a newer process, Courts Preferred, and it starts with something called an ICMC. That's right, David. I would preface this with stating that we're speaking about the courts in Minnesota specifically, so other jurisdictions, other states have their own forms or may not have anything like this at all. In Minnesota, we have a process when you file a dissolution action or divorce action in many counties in our state, but not not all. What then happens is the court schedules what's called an ICMC, which stands for Initial Case Management Conference. Initial Case Management Conference. So initially, it's the first meeting that you'll have with the court, it sounds like. Right. And the case management. So they're going to look at just what the elements are of the case, which would include your client's side of it, as well as opposing counsel's side of it. Right. And that's presented to a court or to a judge, is that correct? Right, so it's a quick snapshot, David. What happens is you've already filed the initial pleadings with the court, so the summons, the petition, if an answer was filed by the other party, that's also already been filed with the court. So the court already has an idea of this. And then what happens is there is another sheet that each party submits. It's about a page or two pages in rough length. Not a whole lot of information that's not already in the pleadings. So it's kind of the basic information. Now, what is that called? Is that the thing that's labeled for the ICMC? Yeah, so that's called an ICMC data sheet. Okay, so it's a basic structure of what the judge or the court will be looking at. Right. It's just kind of a quick sheet. And then what happens is in there, there are also questions as to if there are minor children, the question is going to be, is there some sort of a parenting time plan or some sort of a custody agreement? You check the box, yes or no. And then there's going to be a question as to, is there a resolution or some sort of an agreement on a property division? And you're going to check the box, yes or no. The idea being then what happens is at the ICMC, the judicial officer who's going to be hearing that ICMC has looked over that sheet. At that point, the attorneys will discuss amongst themselves, as well as with their clients, obviously, what type of alternative dispute resolution, if any, should be undertaken by the parties. Well, the judge has the breakdown on the data sheet. So if certain property is decided upon already, that's clicked yes, and that's no longer necessarily an issue, at least at this point in time. Right. So oftentimes what happens is if you have a divorce where you have minor children and you also have property, you may have a case where the property's figured out, but there's not a resolution on the minor children as far as custody and as far as parenting time. 
If you have the property figured out and you don't have the children figured out, then right. that's going to be a no check mark on that spot. The court right. knows that that's something that will have to resolve. Right. Obviously, the flip of that is if you have the children component figured out, but you don't have the property division figured out, then the check boxes will be the flip of what we just talked about. And what will happen is at that point, the attorneys are trying to get together and figure out what type of alternative dispute resolution do we want to attempt. And that's one of the main ideas behind this process, behind the ICMC and what comes next, is the court's and the legal community at large recognizes that there are other ways to try and resolve these divorce matters than having to go through a rigorous court process with hearing upon hearing upon hearing. Which, as we've spoken about in the past, can be quite costly. It can be costly for various reasons, because you're not just talking about a fiscal component, a money component, but you're also talking about the emotional level that you're constantly changing up and down as hearings come and hearings go. So what the ICMC process drives towards is alternative dispute resolution, or ADR. And specifically within ADR, the subsets of negotiation and mediation are what we're looking at. In a perfectly reasonable way of going about this to avoid all of the types of costs, whether emotional or financial, but there's something specific, isn't there, in the way of this ADR specifically for divorce? What is that? Isn't it something called an ENE? Yes. In Minnesota, we have a process available at the ICMC for the parties to elect into called an E&E, which is an early neutral evaluation. It's a form of mediation, but it's different from mediation. So one of the first things that's determined before the E&E is decided upon is what issues are we looking at? Are we looking at issues that are strictly having to do with custody and parenting time? Or are we looking at issues that are more tilted towards the financial issues, such as property division or division of assets, essentially? And then what happens is once the parties agree at the ICMC as to what type of ADR process they want to go into, whether it be an E&E or a mediation, that's selected. The court is informed of that. And then many times what happens at the court, the attorneys, while consulting with their clients, will pick whoever they're going to use for the E&E or for the mediation in the courtroom at the ICMC. And the court clerk will call down and get dates and times, and that will be put into the court order. And then the parties are all bound to attend that E&E or that mediation. The very next steps that will be required. Exactly. Aren't there ways of defining these ENEs more specifically? So the ones that relate to the family or the children, that's called something different than the financial, isn't it? The counties change. Some call them a social early neutral evaluation, but generally speaking, it's called a CPENE, which is a custody and parenting time early neutral evaluation. So that could be quite similar to the SENE. The CPENE is essentially a very similar thing. Yes, they are. Yeah. And then the FENE obviously stands for the financial early neutral evaluation. And these are very similar to mediation in a few ways. The sessions are usually between three to four hours. Sometimes you'll have some that end a little early, but courts mandate a minimum of three hours for the parties to be available. Throughout this whole process, you're meeting with at least one third-party neutral. And these individuals are, for the financial, they're usually attorneys 
who are experienced in family law, but also experienced in financial backgrounds. So they have somewhat of an accounting background. Well, not necessarily accounting, but they know their way around accounts and they know how to understand the business end because that's what they're tackling is they're looking at how should these assets be divided, but still under the lens of the family law statutes and things of that nature. On the custody and parenting time E&E or the SE&E, what we see in pretty much all counties is you're going to be meeting with a team, two individuals, typically a male-female team. Typically, at least one is someone who has some sort of a counseling background, whether it be a social work background or a psych background, something of that nature, who they deal with children on essentially a daily basis. They know how the best interest of the child should be treated in regards to developmental and developmental stages. Because there's one male and one female, they yeah. don't necessarily gravitate towards one gender or the other with respect to the client. They don't. And typically what happens, especially in the CPE&Es and the SE&Es, what happens is we see these two individuals will take a break towards the end of the session and they will go and confer with each other as to what their recommendation is going to be before they give a recommendation to the parties as to what they think a reasonable outcome would be. This would be essentially in one session, this first time that you'd meet for, let's use the example of the SENE sure. or the social or the CPNE for the custody and parenting time. How long could that first session potentially last? Typically, they'll try to get it all done in one session if possible. That session will last usually three hours. It can last up to four depending on if the evaluators are available, if they have availability to stretch for that extra hour. And the idea is with all these E&Es, they will hopefully be able to give a recommendation at the end. Now, does that recommendation happen after they have that little meeting that you mentioned that happens towards the end of the session? Yes. So what will happen, David, is you have the session. Typically, let's take a custody and parenting time or an SE&E, one of those, the ones that are focused on the children. The typical way those run, parties come in, sit down, they meet with the evaluators. The evaluators kind of give a quick who are we, and a little bit of their background, how long they've been doing this, and things of that nature. Then what happens is they'll dive in with questions. The questions, generally speaking, are things that they're looking at just kind of the relationship of each party with the children, what their role's been. So the two evaluators will identify themselves, they'll kind of tell a little bit of their background, as you say, then they start to look at some of the dynamics of the family, I suppose, from the past, as well as the family, what it will most effectively look like moving forward with the idea of the divorce. That's right, David, because what so many people fail to realize when they're going through a divorce with children is that while their relationship is dying, romantically speaking, it still has to have some cool. framework going forward as they have to co-parent and they have to be able to do that effectively because that's, in most cases, what's going to be in the best interest of the children. So what the evaluators are looking at is what are the roles of the parents now? What are the roles as far as potentially going forward? How are the dynamics that are there going to impact the child and how should the dynamics maybe change and how can that change occur so that the best interests of the child or children are what's being served ultimately.
You mentioned earlier that an ENE or this evaluative process is actually different than a mediation itself. What is the distinction there? Typically speaking, an ENE, the evaluators are a little more blunt, meaning on a mediation, the mediator is trying to get towards a resolution and may not be as quick to say that a certain proposal is not near anything that should be happening. Does a mediation try to cover all the bases, so both the social or the family as well as the financial? Are they trying to get to resolving just about as many items as they can in a mediation? They certainly can. It depends on each case. In some cases, you can have a mediation on strictly a few issues rather than go to any any because maybe those issues are just the large issues that need to be tackled and the attorneys think that they can negotiate between the parties the outstanding issues. Generally speaking, yes, a mediation is where you try to get a little more of a global agreement, meaning you are trying to tackle more of essentially all the issues, whereas those E&Es, they're more narrowly tailored to the certain types, whether that be the financial or whether that be the SE&E or the CPE&E. In the evaluative or the E&E, they're trying to come up with an action plan for whatever the next steps are going to be? Similar to a mediation in that they're trying to come up with some sort of a recommendation. But at the ENEs, typically speaking, the evaluators are going to be a little more blunt. They'll say, I don't think this will work with this judge, for instance, things of that nature. It's more of a direct work through it and see where we can get. Whereas a mediation, and obviously it depends on the mediators, but comparatively speaking, a mediation is a little more, let's try to come together and find a resolution And not to say that an E&E is not working towards that because the evaluators are, but they're not going to just work towards that to work towards it. They're going to try and give a more blunt assessment. Is it possible that in an E&E, a recommendation might be made for a mediation at a later point in time? I have not personally seen that. Typically, what may happen is if you leave there without a deal, so to speak, if you leave there with just the recommendations, sometimes there can be follow-up correspondence or follow-up suggestions by the evaluators. Or maybe it's an issue where you're getting down in the evaluation to like the last few minutes or the last half hour, and it doesn't feel like you're going to get a deal done that day, but there's still hope for a deal that is there. So there may be an additional session asked for, an additional session with the evaluators. And then ultimately, the evaluators are preparing this recommendation for the court or? No. Oh, it's just for the parties. Yeah. So the recommendation will be given to the parties at the time. That is not given to the court. As with mediation, the E&E process, that stuff does not get to the court. It is confidential. It is not something that gets back to the court with the exception of, typically speaking, the main exception is just it was held, the parties attended, and then there either was a deal and the attorneys will be drawing up the document that the court needs to approve, or it'll be there was no agreement reached. Or it can even be there was no agreement reached, but another session was ordered. What is the ultimate result of an ENA? Or I should ask, what is the desired result of an ENE or this evaluative process? The desired result and essentially the design behind this whole process, the ICMC leading into some sort of ADR, whether it's mediation or an ENE, is that the parties can then come to an agreement and have a stipulated judgment and decree that is then drawn up that integrates 
either the recommendations or came about because of the fact that this alternative dispute resolution took place. And what I mean by that, David, is let's say you have recommendations that are given by the evaluators. And let's say the parties leave there without signing a document saying that they agree to the recommendations and they just leave. So let's say there was one recommendation that party A liked that party B didn't like, and there was one recommendation that party B liked that party A didn't like. Then through a course of discussion, either through their attorneys or amongst themselves, maybe what happens is the parties come down a little bit respectively on each term that the other did not like. And now what we have is grounds where there can be a stipulated judgment and decree document drawn up, signed, and submitted. And while the end terms were not the recommendation, what happened is as a result of going through this process, the parties were able to come to a reconciliation. And ultimately, they are steering towards that stipulated judgment and decree because that's the ending document, isn't it, for the divorce? Unless you go to trial, yes. That's going to be the ending document. And it can be done through this ADR or alternative dispute process that includes the ICMC that Mm -hmm. steer towards the appropriate ENEs, either social Mm -hmm. or custody parenting or financial, including property. Right. Exactly, David. That's right. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Carlo, with respect to this part of the process? Just, David, that I do think that if you are finding yourself in this process, and while the ICMC itself is more of an informal hearing, I do feel it's important that you at least consult with an attorney who knows family law and and speak with them about your situation, and if nothing else, maybe get some tips from them on how to conduct yourself throughout this process. Because again, while the ICMC itself is a relatively informal hearing, and while the ENEs or even mediation are types of processes by which you're dealing with a unbiased third party or parties, it is important to know what your rights are going in so that you're making sure that those rights are being advocated for and at least exercised. Well, thank you so much, Carlo. Those are some very nice insights on these dispute resolutions in the way of beginning and resolving and ultimately completing a divorce process. Thank you, David. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at mundallaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Thank you.